It's time for a little Pucks with Panger. It's the Thursday edition of the Killcoin Conversation. We're going to talk to Darren Pang. A lot to get into. It's now official, the Winter Classic Blues and Blackhawks. And I know Panger is passionate about that weekend, that event, but maybe bringing back the alumni game. How much fun was that when we had Kelly Chase and Wayne Gretzky and all the old-timers on the ice at Bush Stadium? So we'll talk about a number of topics, including expansion in the NHL. I don't know if you heard Gary Bettman say during the All-Star weekend, Cincinnati might be in play for a team. I had not heard that anywhere for the NHL. We heard Salt Lake quite a bit. A lot of it depends on what happens with Arizona. Can the Coyotes get it figured out? They haven't for years. So a lot of hockey conversation coming your way. Can the Blues make it into the playoffs? I've been looking at that race in the Western Conference, and they really are right there. Just kind of the Cardinals model, right? Just get in. You never know what will happen. But I think they're in decent shape, to quote, just get in. Pucks with Panger. Also, Chris Blair, who is the general manager at Worldwide Technology Raceway. They had the big announcement this week, the musical lineup. Adam Wainwright's on the bill. So is Ludacris. I don't know why that just jumped out at me. Ludacris on the bill. I'm fascinated by this. We're going to try and get him on the show. Ludacris, but we have the other Chris, Chris Blair, talking about NASCAR. Daytona returns next week. So the NASCAR season is here, front and center. A little later, Brendan Weese and I will talk some basketball. SLU did get it done. They did end the losing streak. Mizzou did not. And how about the Billiken anomaly? They scored 51 points in the first half. They scored 51 points in the second half. The starting lineup scored 51 points. The bench scored 51 points. What are the odds of all of that happening? 102 points for your struggling Billikens. They took down LaSalle. Obviously, LaSalle not not too good themselves. They fall to 2-8. and eight. Slew improves to 2-8. and eight. Uh, Nonetheless, it was a fun night for the Bills. Sincere Parker, who can score, he had 33 points, only played 17 minutes. That's hard to do. So Slew ends their losing streak. Mizzou is 0-10 in the SEC. I've mentioned this. If my house ever burns down or if my dog runs away, I want Dennis Gates to come around and cheer me up because he's always positive. Even when they were were 0-9 going into this game with Texas A&M, and he was talking about running the table. He said, I told our guys, win the next nine. Then you'd be 9-9. Nine and nine. Like, yeah, that's true. You would be, but I I don't think that's happening. Well, it didn't. They're 0-10 after losing at home to Texas A&M. The crowds are Kim Anderson-esque at this point, or the end of the Conzo era. Now, you have a winning team next year with an exciting group of newcomers. Yeah, you can fill it back up, but boy, they... And it was bound to happen. This team has been skidding for a while. Last night was the first time I was watching and said, ooh, that's a bad crowd. That's a bad crowd. Because last year, Dennis Gates, not only did he win, he got Mizzou fans reengaged and just sort of re-excited about the program. But, ooh, that was hard to watch. So we'll talk a little basketball later, Brendan Weesey and I. I'm doing much better now. I have to say my day started about 7.45, and it kind of ruined my day. Because I'm just at a red light turning green. Not a big deal. Probably waited just, oh, I don't know, maybe a half second before I hit the gas. Guy lays on the horn behind me. I'm like, it's honks too soon, guy. I'm sorry. We all have that little timer in our head. You don't need to honk. You don't need to honk. He honk- You'd think I was like the 80-year-old grandma making my grocery list. And I don't know why that just 
ticks me off. Unbelievable. Every time it happens, I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I wish I had an LED message board in the rear view window where I could type a message. And it doesn't have to even be like blank you, but it would be seriously, you honk. It took a quarter second before I could go. My God. And then you find out the guy's wife's having a baby. Like, oh, okay, now I understand. Somehow I survived that and made it to the show. Looking forward to it, the Killcoin Conversation. We'll lead it off with Darren Pang next. It's time for Pucks with Panger. Darren Pang on the line with us, I think back from a uh, massive golf trip, which sounds like a heart attack, a massive golf trip. But was that, <laughs> was that last week in Phoenix? You uh, did a death march in the desert? A death march in the desert, man. It was so great. <laughs> It was so, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, uh, what, I, what I did was, um, you know, with that break, uh, the Hawks were in, um, wait, let me see, they're in Vancouver, Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, and uh, believe it or not, on a Sunday morning, I couldn't get a flight direct to, uh, to in, in time, in Arizona for a, for a one o'clock tea time where all the boys were, were meeting us there, and so I flew back with the team, back to Chicago, stayed at the airport, and got a flight an hour and a half later. And then ended up in uh, in Arizona at about nine thirty or ten o'clock, right on the box. And there was twelve of us. We had quite a group. Um, Want to listen to some of our? Oh, here I was going to say it's time for a little name drop. Let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so uh, NHL hockey guys, John Butchagross yeah. of ESPN, avid golfer, loves loves the game. He's an eight. Uh, he's a ten handicap. Uh, Ray Ferraro. Um, of chicken course, Parm. They call him Darren. They call him Chicken Parm. I don't know if you knew that. They, yeah, they call him Chicken Parm. Well, number thirteen for the St. Louis Blues yeah. before he tore his ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, nine handicap. Uh, Ken Holland, the GM of the uh, mm-hmm. Oilers, seven handicap. Um, Mike Commodore, uh, one of the funniest guys on uh, on social media. Uh, Stanley Cup champion, uh, four handicap. Uh, myself, a two, and Ray Whitney. Um, who was probably maybe one of the most underrated, especially small players in the history of the game. Um, he was there as well. Honestly, I think Ray Whitney, you know what, with, with all these guys going into the Hall of Fame, we're, we're now caught in the trap of throwing all these names out there for Hall of Fame you know, credentials because I think we're putting too many in there, for, for my liking, personally, uh, that maybe aren't so special. But in saying all that, I was throwing Ray Whitney's numbers up against uh, some of the guys that just recently went into the Hall of Fame, and you could make an argument. So is he the vodka? Is argument. he the vodka guy too? No, that's uh, Ryan Whitney. Ryan Whitney. Okay, my bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's. Yeah, oh, I'm no, sorry. Okay. He's in the vodka Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. That's different. That's an entirely. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like a heck of a trip. A lot of fun, and now hockey is back. We're raring to go after a little bit of a break, and then we get news that the Blues and Blackhawks are going to play at Wrigley Field, the Winter Classic, and you're going to be smack dab in the middle of this one way or the other. How about that? Your two teams, Blues, Blackhawks, together. <laughs> what a what a venue, Wrigley for. Outdoor hockey. This is going to be pretty cool next New Year's year, New Year's Day next year. Yeah, yeah. And whether whether the date's going to be January one or 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 uh, December thirty first, I think that still hasn't been determined, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So, um, but but uh, you know, and watching Connor Bedard, uh, which I had a chance to talk to him last night after the TNT game I did in, in Chicago, and and he was so excited. I got to be honest with you, he doesn't. You know, he, he hasn't seen the seasons yet of, of Chicago, and, and he was just asking all about it and, and going to uh, – he wants to go to a Bears game. He wants to go to a, you know, a, a game at Wrigley and Comiskey. But he, uh, he got to go at, actually in the, in the back, in the outfield, and he got to change the score. 
So we got to put, you know, going back there. You know what that, have you ever been back there, Martin, and, and, and sat inside, uh, the, the, the scores? I, I have not, I've been in, it. I've been in the bleachers. I have not been in the actual manual scoreboard. Uh, it's really cool. And, and the, like the numbers, the, the letters and the numbers are all like, they're all real, like metal. I mean, they're not light and plasticky things. So he actually got to go in there and, uh, and, and look around and, and see and, See, see what everything was all about and see Wrigley. And so the young man was quite excited. And it's no secret that they're, you know, the reason why the Hawks are in this winter classic, I think we all know it's the same reason why, you know, Sidney Crosby got sold and did so many classics and Ovechkin did as well. And then, you know, the Hawks went through theirs. The Boston Bruins have gone through theirs. Well, certainly Connor Bedard's got a lot of responsibility in, in having this opportunity to, to showcase it and go out there and make the introduction and, and be ready for the Winter Classic next year. It's going to be great. And also, you know, like having the Winter Classic at at uh, um, at, at Bush was, uh, to, to me, Martin, I thought that was phenomenal. Like the alumni game, I don't think I've seen an alumni game quite as good as that one. Maybe go back to the Edmonton Oilers-Montreal Canadian one, which was the original Heritage Classic before NBC started, the one in, in Buffalo and the Winter Classics. But, I mean, you know, the one that we had in, in St. Louis was just so great. And seeing the arch and the sun was shining, it was a perfect day. Uh, hopefully we can get back to doing an alumni game again. And, uh, and because they've, they've kind of stopped that. I don't know if you noticed that, but it, since COVID, they, they haven't had that. So maybe they can bring it back there for that game. That, that, yeah, that's that Saturday before, I think it was a set, well, whatever, it was the day before the Winter Classic at Bush. That was so much fun to go in the Cardinals locker room and look and see Brian Sutter hanging out. And Federico's on the other side. Just these great, you know, Gretzky played. I don't know if you know Wayne at all, but that game. I heard of him. Um, that was pretty. They should bring that. A Blues-Blackhawks alumni game, that's for sure. If they're going to bring it back, do it for them. That would We can still say Secord sucks or whatever, like the old days. Well, at, but you know what else, though? Like, think about some of the players now. Like, even forget about the, the, the Secord days or even the Denny Savard and, and those days. But look at the guys that are going to be retired like maybe officially retired like it you know you got the the guys that the blues fans really didn't like in the last few years jonathan taves yeah. uh, i mean K- kane will still be playing jonathan taves andrew shaw i mean he was en- enemy number one that would be a great one to have in that one the How about, is seabrook is seabrook retired is seabrook retired seabrook's retired as well and uh like we, we you know you could have a real modern day Bacchus, one. You could throw in a get back out Bacchus there and, yes and 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 Steen and maybe Backers will fight uh, fight Taves thinking they're going to play on the Olympic teams again <laughs> against one another. I mean, we could have something so great oh, right there. And make it I happen. Mean, got, make it happen, yeah, Panger. You got you got Brian Elliott. You've got uh, some of the goaltenders. Uh, well, Carter Hutton, Ty Conklin. Maybe Ty Conklin could play in his 900th uh, Winter Classic outdoor game because <laughs> he seems to have played in a lot of them. But uh, you know, just thinking of, of of that in the modern day player that's just retired, I think would be fantastic. Yeah, you're right. You wouldn't have to go f- too far back to have some awesome matchups. And maybe, uh, what about Troy, oh, Jack? Troy Brower? You got, got Brower for his Game 7 heroics. Uh, and Brower would be like, well, I mean, he won a Stanley Cup with uh, uh, with Chicago in 10. Right. And then he t- turns around. and He could play for uh, know, both sides. Yeah, I know a guy that's done that before. So I could give him yes. some advice. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, and Jammer could suit up for both teams. 
Oh. One shift on every team. Oh, we got this, man. Shift. We got this down. So the Winter Classic, yeah. Blues, Blackhawks, and it's interesting because the Blues are not a big market team. They do seem to have a lot of cachet at the NHL level, don't they? Just the name, the franchise, even though they haven't won a ton, it seems that they've got a pretty good brand That as far as the oh. NHL is concerned. Absolutely. And they've, you know what? Let's let's face it. Things have changed. I think, you know, from Chris Zimmerman and, and Tom and the respect that, that they've gotten because of what they did with the the Winter Classic was a huge success. So that's number one. I mean, if that was a failure, then move. But that wasn't. It was it was a plus. Um, the All Star Game was a plus. The Stanley Cup Final was a plus. Everybody handled it well. From from PR, well, okay, we'll give Caruso a little plug out right here and old mm-hmm. and old Dan O'Neill and the boys, okay? Because they all did a great job. But I think when you have that success then the NHL looks at you like, okay, that's low maintenance. They, they know what they're doing. They know how to do it. And also the ratings. You know, I, I know I just was perusing uh, the, the local ratings. And I know the ratings in St. Louis are down. I think they're down 22 or 23%. Um, and, but, but overall, I mean, the Blues ratings have always been one that's carried national TV. That's why they want to do so many Blues games, because they get the eyeballs. And, and, so, uh, and the Hawks have always gotten the eyeballs there, and especially with Connor. You know, the, the resurgence of the Hawks have been a direct result of one guy, and that's why the ratings have been so good for, for Chicago. So, anyway, all that being said, I think it's a natural. So that'd be the third winter classic for the, uh, for the Blues, and they're 2-0. and um, The Hawks, if I'm not mistaken, are 0-4 in winter classics. They played a couple of the stadium series as well, but um, they, they, uh, they don't have a winning record in that, so they would want to improve that with their their new uh the next era under under Connor Bedard. Well, I like how we just fixed which doesn't need fixing. The Winter Classic is awesome. It's one of the best thing the things the NHL has ever done playing at Notre Dame and playing at the Steelers Stadium, all this outdoor. It's so much fun. I think we can do another thing though. Let's fix. I want the All-Star game to go back to being West East like conferences. Where I just drafting the players. I, I just I want to see, and I know it's not like the old days where they play each other a bunch anyway. But are you with me? Can I get you on board, Western or Campbell yeah. and Wales or whatever we want to call it? Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. I mean, just East and West. I don't I don't mind that. And guess you know, but but you know, I guess the appeal is, and I, I remember when I started at ESPN in '93, my first All Star game was at Madison Square Garden. And it was Jan- January of, of 1994, and and I remember that being such a big deal, you know, the, the Messiers and well, obviously you got Gresk and Mary Lemieux and and the Mike even the Mike Richters, the hometown boys, Brian Leach. But um, I don't know. I, I I thought back then there was just something about the All Star Game that was just um, I I don't know how to describe. Not iconic, not the right way to describe it. It was just. It just seemed like they were walking on water, these guys, and it and they played hard, they tried hard, and I don't know what happened where where the team started not wanting to try hard. They put more money in front of them, they still don't try hard, and I I don't understand that. Um, I think a long time ago there was such a pride they didn't want to embarrass themselves out there, um, and so um, you know they changed. It. Remember when Nagano began the year before '98? They switched it to. Uh, I think it was North America versus everybody else. If I'm the not world, mistaken, or, the, yeah, the, yeah, it was a European kind of a flavor, and that worked for a couple of years, and then that fizzled as well. Um, but you you would then have a discrepancy in talent, um, you know, whether there's not as many stronger Europeans or you know. So now you've got an issue with you're sticking these guys that aren't all stars in there just because they're from Europe. 
Um, and I think we still have some of that. There was a lot of teams that weren't represented. There was a lot of teams that still had a lot of really good players that should have been represented. But um, going full five-on-five five and having full representation, I wouldn't mind that one bit. Uh, I'm a fan of that. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I think what the NFL and NBA struggle with in their Pro Bowls or All-Star games is it doesn't really resemble the game you watch all year. Now, baseball, there's plenty of things about the Major League Baseball All-Star game people don't like, but it it basically still resembles the game that you watch the rest yeah. of the year. And I think that's the critique. So tell tell Betts, Gary, uh, that we can fix it. <laughs> we can fix it for him. And I, I didn't mean for this visit to be like state of the league, but at the All-Star I, game. I think it's good. Well, he talked about expansion. And then he mentioned Cincinnati, and I, di- I didn't see that one coming, and it's not infringing, I think, on the Blues turf, but I would think Columbus wouldn't like it. Is Cincinnati in play? I've never – it's funny that that came out, out of left field for me, but I, I don't know I don't know Cincy at all. Like, uh, last time I was in Cincy, it was at the lockout of, I don't know, 1995, and I did an IHL game there. So that's, that's as far as I go there for Cincinnati, so I don't know. I was thinking more of – Honestly, I was thinking more of um, of Kansas City, of uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, there's been there's two groups, separate groups in um, Atlanta, um, and one's working very discreetly on certain areas, bringing it back out to where the Braves are, the Alpharetta, the Marietta area, um, that the Braves have had so much success with moving them from downtown to there. Um, so there's two groups there. So I, but but I, I personally I don't see that happening. But uh, Houston, Salt Lake, I still think Kansas City. But, but then this, the, the Cincinnati might just be thrown in there, and maybe they're throwing them a bone. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, it's interesting there, to think about. And Kansas City would be, I think, fun for St. Louis. I know the Blues have tried to kind of work their way into that market, so Tom and Z might not be crazy about that idea. But it would be fun, I think, for the rivalry here in St. Louis. I, I don't hate that idea. No. I, I mean, I don't either. And I um, – I, I mean, I love that the power and light district right there because you know the the Blues have played several preseason games, yep. and uh, I think I've gone to three of them myself, uh, and 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 spent time there. And then there's that that other beautiful area as well. I can't remember what that's called. Not What's the called? Pla- well, they have the Plaza, and yeah, the Plaza Country area, Club yeah. or something. There's two things. Yeah, they got yeah they got a, a number but, of places that are like gathering you spots. The battles at Mizzou. The battles at Mizzou, all the kids that go there, and which which team would they like? Oh boy, that would that would really. Separate. Oh, and then, and then way would, and then way down the road, yeah, you put the Winter Classic at Faro Field, Mizzou's home turf Ooh. for Blues and Kansas City down the road. There you go. God, we oh, get. Nancy, man, you are good. You are good. Who's it? Who's I, it? Bill Kit, Bill Daly on the line, folks. We got ideas. Is he still there? <laughs> That's yeah, my, he sure is. Okay. Yes, he is. My references sometimes one. sometimes my references can be a little bit dated. I'm glad to know Bill <laughs> is still there. But since we're talking expansion, I, there's been a lot of talk too about Arizona. I like making fun of the fact that they play in this small arena that happens to be called Mullet Arena, which sounds like you know a good homage to hockey players in the '90s, but. What's going to happen there? Do you think the Coyotes will will survive in Phoenix? You used to be out there. I was out there, and I loved it out there. Um, um, and the reason, you know, they went into bankruptcy, and that was a, uh, you know, that was that was that was the reason why I, I ended up in St. Louis. So funny how things work out for the for the better. Um, but as far as that, that situation is concerned, there is a deadline. There, are, the deadline's got to be closing in on whether or not they can. Get some land secured enough to build it, and if you had, even if you had land secured, and you and you 
and you get the approval and you get the renditions. And from what I understand, they had an original rendition and then they wanted to add a practice rink uh, to the rendition. So that caused them a little bit more time. But all I've seen so far, and this is just my opinion on, on, on this group and the ownership group, and sometimes they're very premature in saying they've got something. They send out a press release to get everybody excited. And then, you know, it's, it's not a truthful press release. And that's what happened with Tempe. I mean, they needed votes from the, the citizens of Tempe and they didn't get it. And so now they're stuck going into another market area. So I think, I mean, time is obviously of, of the essence and running out there in, uh, in Arizona, which would be a real shame for me. There are a lot of people that love the game of hockey, but they put the, they put the arena in the wrong area. 85% of season ticket holders are not in Glendale and Peoria. They are, they are over there. They're in Scottsdale. Uh, they're, in, um, uh, they're in Tempe. They're in, you know, they're, they're in that side of it. And so that's where you get your walk-up. Listen, Mullet Arena scares me for, for a couple of reasons. What if, what if the Phoenix Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes, got on a roll, made the playoffs, because yep. they're in the hunt right now, they're one of five, and you're playing your first-round playoff series there. And then they win that round, and they go to the second round. I'm being very hypothetical, yep. obviously. And they make a run all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Even the conference final. Like, it doesn't work. I mean, it just doesn't work. And that's, that's, that's the part that, woof, be careful about where we're heading here in the future for me. Yeah, you're right. That would be a, be the toughest ticket in the history of the NHL if you had a team with a 5,000-seat arena playing in the Stanley Cup final. Well, since we're talking about the West, and Phoenix is sort of in that area with the Blues down there trying to get in, in the West, can we agree on all these? So Vancouver's in. We're talking playoffs now. Vancouver in, correct? For yeah. sure. Colorado, Dallas, Vegas. There's four. They're all going. Winnipeg, yeah. when they're going to go. Edmonton, barring, I guess, a big collapse, would you say they're going to make it? Uh, they're going. How about the Kings? Probably. So there's prob- There's number seven, okay? No, that's so, a drop-off for me. Okay. So, all right. So, so let's say Edmonton got a six that we're going to give the Panger seal of guarantee, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And now, and now you – Yeah, we're going to get them all. Okay, okay, two spots left. So you have L.A. currently, then the Blues, yep. Nashville, Seattle, Calgary, Arizona. Is that – so we really – those five, Oof. L.A., St. Louis, Nashville, Seattle, Calgary. Well, I guess it's Arizona would be six teams for two spots. Is that – that's how you handicap it, right? At this point, so the Blues, I, and I would say, I, the Blues have every chance based on the uh, opposition. I think to get in. I, I I agree with you. L A. I mean, having to make a, a coaching change where the first three months of the year, or two months of the year, Todd McClellan is the coach of the year, and then all of a sudden he can't coach. Give you know, like give me a break. I mean, but they, you know, you see the trickle down effect. I mean, Army had to make that hard decision. With Chief, uh, uh, the Edmonton Oilers had to make their decision. Um, there's been an uptick with the coaches that have come in, and that's where the pressure's on the LA Kings and their GM Rob Blake to say, "I guess we got to make a move right here." Uh, the best coach they have is the one they just let go for me, and then and, and that's a that's a really a, a tough one. So for me, how does that team, you know, come out of it? Um, they got a couple of players that. Uh, been well known that that haven't pulled their weights on in long-term deals in Fiala and Dubois. Um, you know they've got guys in there that care like crazy, like uh, like Dowdy and, and Kopitar. And I love Dowdy to death. I mean he just 
he just says what's on his mind and 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 I love the way he does that and says it. Um, and then you know, so the, L.A. to me is dropping, and I don't think they've got the goaltending anyway. The Blues have got the goaltending because we all know Jordan Binnington. To me, he's still a he's still a top goaltender in the league, and he can still win games on his own. Uh, Nashville's got a goalie that can win games on their own, so there's your two teams for me. Um, I've got I don't have Calgary, I don't have Arizona, I don't have Minnesota. I just saw them last night. Boy, they had to work awfully hard just to get you know just to have a, a you know. Boy, a, a one-goal win over the last-place team in the, in the National Hockey League. So um, I don't know where they're at, but I don't see them heading up. So I'm, I'm going to say it's between L.A., St. Louis, Nashville. Seattle? I, eh. L.A., St. Louis, yeah. Seattle, Calgary, eh, Arizona. It's a toss-up for me between if Seattle can even get in there. But let's say they can. So let's go, let's go Seattle in there. That's four teams. But the Blues are, I think, you have every chance to be one of those teams. There's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. When you start comparing who they're, you know, up against to get in. Oh, there it is, the playoff breakdown. I apologize to Darren Pang because before the show we started riffing on former Chicago Bears because I forgot you were a Chicago guy back in the day. Did you ever run into Bears player back? You were there. It was still the Ditka Bears, right? That's exactly right. I, I never forget how he how he said it when he was ending his tenure there. This too shall pass. He must have said that a hundred times. Um, yeah, I was. I mean, I you know met all the guys, uh, played golf with a lot of them. I played in an event uh, that CBS handled every summer, um, and it was at the Rich Harvest Farms. And I was often paired with uh, the great late Walter Payton. Mm. Um, uh, we had uh, Jim McMahon always played. We had a group of, of guys here that would play in charity outings because there's so many here. Uh, but instead of going to dinner or at least being really late for dinner, fashionably late for dinner, even Michael Jordan often, uh, we, we would all get together. You'd all, you'd have a lot of the Blackhawk players, uh, a lot of the baseball players, and then you'd have a group of those guys that I just mentioned. And we would head out, head on out in the tentum and we would play you know, skins, uh, whatever it would be, a hundred dollars a man a hole for skins and carryovers, and and we would we'd all got to know each other. So, in fact, at one point, the 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 uh, Hawks, the Bears, uh, the Chicago Six band played at a couple of concert venues. Uh, that was unbelievable. So, Gary Nyland and Troy Murray, uh, Kurt Fraser, Walter Payton on the drums. Yeah. I believe Dan Hampton was there as well. Um, Dave Duerson, so all these guys had a band going. So everybody did know each other quite well, yeah. Wow, all right. Well, one of the, next time I'm going to dig a little deeper, we'll talk about your Chicago days, your Chicago connections, hanging with the boys there in Chicago. It's Darren Pang. You can see him on TNT, part of the Blackhawks broadcast as well, Winter Classic. That's going to be fun. He's going to call Bettman when we hang up and get all of these changes done, including the return of the alumni game during the Winter Classic. Panger, always a pleasure. Love it. My pleasure. You have a great week, okay, pal? And on the line right now, it's Chris Blair. He's the general manager at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And we normally have Chris on to talk about racing, and it's Daytona right around the corner. And the next thing you know, we'll have NASCAR across the river. But we've got him on today in the role of Don Kirshner and talking rock and country and rap and all. How about this? It's a music event as much as a NASCAR event. Chris, good to talk to you. Uh, How's your world? Hey, it's going great now. You know, we've had a busy week. That announcement uh, just went out uh, uh, Tuesday morning, and uh, so far the response has been absolutely tremendous, both locally 
and in, throughout the racing industry. Yeah, it's pretty funny to read. Okay, there's a NASCAR race. We know about it. Enjoy Illinois 300, Sunday, June 2nd, third installment here in town with NASCAR coming to town. But the music announcement, Ludacris is going to be there. Riley Green. Oh, and another guy we've heard of named Adam Wainwright. How did, let's go back to the beginning of how did you guys decide having a music event within the NASCAR weekend made sense? Well, you know, a lot of the races, they have music performers right before the start of the race just to, kind of, to encourage the fans to get there early and uh, to get everybody pumped up for the big event. When we started working on this project, uh, David Stewart from Worldwide Technology uh, is just a huge supporter of the arts. And he saw this race and the spotlight that they're shining on the city of St. Louis and throughout our region as an opportunity to showcase all the entertainment options that are here. That's one of the reasons we have the symphony orchestra that always performs the national anthem. And uh, we showcase a lot of uh, local talent, diverse talent. And uh, so this has kind of grown from it being just sort of the entertainment aspect of the first race, now being a music festival that could very well stand on its own. But, oh, by the way, you also get one of the biggest sporting events of the year uh, thrown in the middle of it. So it's it's perfect for... Uh, the families that are trying to decide what they want to do, do they want to go to a race, do they want to go to a concert, we're making it real easy for them. They're, good, they're getting everything with the price of one ticket. And what a, what an eclectic lineup there. Ludicrous. Riley Green, Adam Wainwright, tell us about getting Wainwright on the bill as well. You're going to get some Cardinal fans who maybe they've never been to a race before, and that's sort of the beauty of this, just to get them in the door. Well, i tell you, of all the things we've done, uh, when I uh, shot a note over to Kenny Wallace a couple of weeks ago, and I said, Kenny, I've got a job for you. You're going to introduce Adam Wainwright before he <laughs> performs uh, at our race. And of all the things that we've announced, uh, I think Kenny was just as, as excited about Adam Wainwright coming to the racetrack and him getting to introduce him than he was from, that we were actually going to be having a race uh, when we made that announcement a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, it's huge. It's a, it's a great way to showcase the crossover with everything that we're doing uh, in showcasing the city. And the timing is perfect because our race is going to be on um, uh, FS1, Fox Sports. And here Adam just announces that he's going to be an analyst for uh, Fox Sports as well. So there's, a, there's just so many things lined up perfectly. And you know, last night I was at home and I saw that uh, tweet that, uh, that Wayno put out. And of all the things that we've done, that was one of the coolest ones for us. We were really excited to see that one happening. And uh, so that's going to be a great part for, again, crossing over uh, to showcase all of our sports properties here in St. Louis by having Adam here. And one thing you can't control, you host the race, you're in charge of all the logistics, but you can't control who wins. And yet you guys have had two great winners, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, huge names. Let's look back at the first two years. What have you learned going into year three now? What, what do you want to do better and how much do you learn year to year? Well, one of the things we're trying to do this year is really just fine-tune the schedule so that it just flows uh, perfectly for everyone. We don't want any downtime. We want to have it so that the fans know exactly when to show up, that knowing that when they walk through the gate until the time they leave, they're entertained and they feel like they're getting their money's worth for their entertainment dollar. That's our number one mission, and it always being a first-class, world-class uh, experience. So that's one of our main objectives here, and that's the thing that we're – working on from start to finish uh while the event's going on in 2022 when the event was going on in 2023 our team was out taking notes just trying to find the different things that we could adjust and move around just to make it flow a little bit better and uh 
as, as I was telling some of our crews the other day, you know, our NHRA race is so well established. It's showing consistent growth each year. We walk into that event. We walk in with a plan, and we know how to execute it. The same with the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 IndyCar race. We've now done that seven times, and we can really walk in and fine-tune that one as well. You know, with the NASCAR event, for the first couple of years, we were going into it with our hair on fire, making sure that we – uh, we're getting everything right because it was all brand new. So now with year three, we can do that fine-tuning, and everybody here is confident, they're experienced, they know what they're uh, up against, and I think we're going to see some great success. Does NASCAR give you a critique or a to-do list? I know they've been happy, but do they eventually say, okay, what we think you could do better, or add these suites over here or there? How much do they guide you? Oh, they're involved with every step of the way, Uh they're, they're critiquing as it's happening. They're critiquing after it's happening, uh, as we're going into the new stuff. I, fi- I finally got to the point on a few things where I was getting asked the same question by so many people. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to send out an email to everybody. Let them know, here's where we're at on everything. We're good. Uh, I'll call you if we're, if we're getting uh, uh, running into an issue that we can't fix. But they've been tremendous partners. We uh, are having weekly calls with them year-round. Uh, and this is with senior-level management. Uh, Curtis is uh, having conversations with ownership on a regular basis. So uh, we're all in this together. I mean, this is a totally joint, cooperative of folks uh, trying to develop the best event for the best sports property. Chris Blair, our guest, Worldwide Technology Raceway, the GM over there, and side-by-side with Curtis Francois helped transform the track and made it a major attraction for major racing events in our town. Daytona is coming up here, the 500. Tell folks who've never been, I was lucky enough to go one time, just tell them about that week, that the track, the vibe, the feel, and just what it's like to attend. Oh, when it's you're you're cranking the uh, adrenaline meter to eleven on that one when you walk in. It's just uh, there's something about the historic the historical relevance of the Daytona 500. It's the excitement about the new season beginning. That's one of those races that everybody focuses on because uh, the results of that race really kind of dictate what the rest of your season is going to look like. There's so many guys they want to make a good impression. A lot of guys just want to be able to finish that thing because that really sets the tone for how the rest of the year is going to be. So uh, it's it's just a tremendous buzz of everything that's going on. It's the great American race for a reason. And uh, being able to go there, it just sends chills down your spine when the, the command for start your engines goes out and those cars roll off for the first time. Uh, it's something that I tell everyone they need to experience the Daytona 500 at least once in their life. They need to experience the Indianapolis 500. And uh, they need to be coming to all the races here at Worldwide Technology Raceway to get the full experience of everything. Now, I know our buddy John Bomarito is into racing. Now, Chuck Wallace takes credit for it, by the way. He says, I got him going with all this racing stuff. Do the Bomaritos have a car? Is it in the Xfinity at this point? Yes, they have two cars that are competing in the Xfinity uh, program with Jeff, uh, Jeb Burton and Parker Retzloff. Uh, they've had some tremendous success there. I think you're going to see both of those, once again, being in the top ten in points at the end of the season. You're going to see the Bomberito cars winning some races this year on that side. And then I was talking to Chuck just just the other day, and he says they're working on some programs to uh, sponsor a car here for the uh, Enjoy Illinois 300. They've had a relationship the last couple of years with the, the Richard Petty team. Uh, and they're also working on some programs to have another car entered in their own race, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Uh, and, and Chuck says his mission is to make sure that they're going for an opportunity to win. 
Well, you've got NASCAR, IndyCars, NHRA. Those are the headliners that we're all over there with the cameras and interviewing and everything. But it feels to me like there isn't a weekend or a weeknight that goes by without an event. How often is the track in use? You're, I mean, it, it is pretty year-round, isn't it? Yeah, we have 330 event days a year, so a lot of times it'll be three events taking place at once. But, yeah, the track is uh, now to the point that really the only time we don't have events taking place are January and February, now that we have the Christmas lights show that runs through uh, November and December. So we're, our goal is to fill out every possible date on this calendar. And uh, we're making a, a lot of uh, headway on that. Uh, you know, we, when I first got here, the boards that we had that we filled in the, the dates, there was lots of gaps. Now we're at a point where we're filling up those uh, those slots and there's a demand for, for coming here, whether it's the Formula Drift Series, whether it's the Trans Am, uh, the local events that we have. There's a Tough Mudder is coming at the end of uh, end of April. So we're trying to be more than just a racing destination. We're also trying to be a recreation and entertainment destination. And that's one of our primary focuses right now that we just continue to build on. You ever show up at the track and kind of think about day one when you got there? And I know it's been well told, and Curtis bought the track, and it was literally like, you know, the dust was blown, and we had weeds everywhere. Have you thought much about how this thing, the humble beginnings, probably from about the time you arrived? You know what? I actually think about it every morning when I drive in, and I see our office building and the signage around here, the, the worldwide technology logos all over the place, and even when I'm uh, driving out at night and seeing uh, some of the areas that we've improved. It's just so different. You know, it's been over 11 years now for me, and uh, it's it's really it's not the same not the same track that it was. It's uh, you know we're now the only track in the country to host NASCAR, IndyCar, and NHRA, and I take a lot of pride in that. And you know, for this to to go from being a track that was closed and pretty much left for scrap uh, to what Curtis has uh, done here. Um, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal, and uh, as I've said, it's probably the greatest comeback story ever in the history of sports venues, because usually when a venue shuts down, it doesn't come back, and much less come back bigger and better than it ever was. So for that, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of and our team is most proud of, uh, that we were able to be a part of something so historical. And how about a final thought on NASCAR right now? It feels like they went through, and I've talked to Kenny about this, where there was a little bit of a lull, and now it's gotten back way up popularity-wise, and you see it with, I think you get a little more drama now with the drivers, who doesn't like who, and it's not WWE, but it seems like there's a lot of feuds, and I'll tell you what, going back to the old days of Kale Yarborough punching somebody, I mean, sometimes a little feuding is good for the sport. Well, that's one of the things that we're seeing. This Netflix series that's uh, just now come out is really showing the behind the scenes of, uh, and the personalities of the drivers. And so for uh, uh, it's a great time to be a NASCAR fan. It's a great time to be part of the sport to see all that that's taking place. And, yeah, it's, once before, all the drivers, it seemed like they went through this phase where everybody loved everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, there was no real excitement. Now I'm seeing it to the point where, these guys aren't afraid to talk about the guys they don't like, and they're talking trash, and it's heartfelt. This isn't staged. Uh, there's some real rivalries out there, so that when you watch a uh, Denny Hamlin running alongside uh, Ross Chastain out on the racetrack, you don't know if they're going to pass each other or wreck each other, but just because they don't like one another, and that's great. That's what we need to see, and it's everybody going for a win, and everybody needs to get back into that win-at-all-costs mentality to keep all of our fans entertained. And I think that they're finally starting to, 
to realize that with this new generation of driver. It's one of my favorite things during the driver introductions where they, they get booed, a lot of them, and I'll see them kind of behind the stage about to come through, and some of them will bring their kids with them. I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to boo them here. They, oh, they're still booing them, even with the kids. I'm like, <laughs> I just I love that interaction. All right, let's go through it. Uh, the weekend, we mentioned the, the, the music part of it with Adam Wainwright and Ludacris and Riley Green. That take place takes place when? Let's walk them through the weekend of NASCAR. All right. The weekend really kicks off with our holler parade that will take place at around noon on Friday. Uh, to be by driving through town and by Ballpark Village, and they'll come back here to the track for truck series practice and qualifying. Uh, then on Saturday, full day of racing with the NASCAR Cup practice and qualifying, followed by the Toyota 200 NASCAR truck series race. Uh, then that leads into the show with Ludacris. We're also going to be having a big car show working with the folks from Import Faceoff. So there'll be a car show tied into the Ludacris concert since he was in the uh, the movie The Fast and the Furious. Uh, then we come out on Sunday with the JJK 5K first thing in the morning. Then we start uh, all the music acts. Uh, we have Kenny Wallace live on the main stage. Uh, then we go into our music acts with Adam Wainwright, Brittany Spencer, Big and Rich. Then we do the race, and then after the race is over, uh, Riley Green takes to the stage to kind of put a bow on the whole weekend. Sounds like a ton of fun. It'll be here before you know it. That's Sunday, June 2nd for the race, but obviously events leading up to that, and we've got the Indy cars. We have an NHR. There's always something going on at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Chris Blair, have fun in Daytona. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Martin. We'll see you. NASCAR season is coming your way next week. In fact, on Fox, the week after the Super Bowl, Daytona 500 on Fox. We'll be talking to Kenny Wallace on this show, I'm sure. The always excitable Kenny Wallace. Like when Chris called him to give him the big news about Wainwright, he said he was really excited. I'm like, Kenny is always excited. It's unbelievable. Fun talking to Chris about the upcoming racing season. Also want to tell you about Illinois Recovery Center. They're located in Swansea, Illinois. And if you're dealing with addiction, you know how difficult it is to break that cycle, to get the help you need to get your life back on track. To do that, you need a professional staff in a great setting. And that's what you get at Illinois Recovery Center. Safe, inclusive environment, beautiful facility. They went in and gutted all of it. Everything's brand new. So it's an awesome looking building. But more important than that, the staff that they have, many of them with their own story of recovery, using a variety of programs. Some people like the group therapy. Some people prefer individual therapy. So many different options, including residential, outpatient, so whether it's alcohol or drugs. We know about the opioid epidemic sweeping our country. It's in the news all the time. If it's yourself, a family member, loved one, neighbor, colleague, you know they need help, this is the place to go. IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com is where you can find out more information. You're looking for hope. You need some help. You can get it at IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. Hey, that's Brendan Weesey, sports director at KTRS, wrapping up a week here on the Kilcoin Conversation. It's always fun to kind of chew on the headlines, unless it's basketball-related. SLU did get that win. Is there any scenario where Travis Ford can rally the troops and maybe win some games down the stretch? I don't see it happening, but if Chris May and the Billikens plan on bringing Travis back, which... I kind of think is their plan. I need to know for sure, but I think that's where the way it's going. Believe it or not, a few wins, more wins than losses down the stretch would at least help a little bit. No doubt about it. Last night at LaSalle, this would this would fall into the category of games 
that if you lost, how do you possibly lose? Like losing at home to Fordham. Right. This is right up there. LaSalle had not beaten a Division One team at home, Martin, going all the way back to December the 6th. So they are going through the same kind of struggles as SLU. So good to see the Billikens. As I've said before, I'd actually be more confident in SLU going out and having a game last night where they post 100 than a game where you need to count on their defense to shut the opposition down because that has just not consistently been the case. Nice burst by Sincere Parker. He was tremendous in a small amount of time. What, 33 points in like 18 minutes? That's fantastic. So they do the job on the road and you know give them credit for winning a game that they certainly probably should have won, but nice to see the offense really explode like that. I mentioned this at the outset. Mizzou losing, not a surprise. They're 0-10 in the conference. They could go winless in the SEC, I guess. When you lose at Vandy, anything's possible. Last night was the first time I looked at the crowds and said, oh, boy. And it's not a surprise, but that was kind of what, not just the winning that Dennis Gates did, but just the reconnecting. That The one thing that really stood out to me last year is, boy, Mizzou basketball is back. Because it was always a thing. You wanted tickets. Even when I was a kid, they'd be like, we got some tickets for the Tuesday game. Who are they playing? Iowa State. Oh, is Greg Kavanaugh healthy? I mean, I was like, I couldn't wait to go. <laughs> and that is now gone. Talk Again. about momentum lost yeah. immediately. You can get it back, but, boy, that was, to me, notable last night. And I, and I hate putting it out there, but you're right. It's it's just it's just the fact of the matter. You, you don't go 0-10 and say, eh, don't worry, we've got reinforcements on the way. And they do. As I told Carney, Carney earlier today, the co- college sports just uh, the snap of the snap of a finger, and it could be completely, completely reshuffled next year because of how the transfer portal works. This is a different era of college sports. You swing big for the portal and you miss, like Dennis Gates has, and he's missed. But the injuries are now really stacking up. From Caleb Grill to John Tanji, Sean East sits last Best night. Score. We can't ignore. So this is so this has been the reality now all year, and and I and I think this best explains it for me because East has been good, and uh, obviously the the performance that you've uh, that you've gotten from Tamar Bates has been outstanding, but the fall off after those two guys, Honor has been mediocre at best. Noah Carter appears and disappears this year. all yeah. the time. So then after those two, you've got the freshman that plays sparingly, Connor Vanover, who you can't – I mean, you went out, he's one of your biggest gets in the portal. He's basically a non-factor. Um, Kurt Lewis played a little bit last night. He actually got a start, the Juco Player of the Year last year, one of your favorite well, guys, I always, I When think. he's on the floor, I always go, now where'd he <laughs> come from? <laughs> Well, because their rotation still to me totally, makes no sense. And totally. But he scores like seven points, and it feels like the, the best he's done all year. So it's really been the supporting cast around your stars, around East and around Bates. You had a huge supporting cast around Kobe Brown last year. He was the star. He's the All-American caliber player. But he had six or seven guys that you felt like were really contributing every night. That has not been the case with this team. It's different than Conzo a couple years ago where it felt like it was all a cast of misfits and nobody's really worthy being on an SEC team. East and Bates are borderline all-conference players. That shows you how 
poorly the supporting cast have played when you can be 0-10 in the league and yet Bates and East have had, again, at least borderline all-conference seasons, but they might even wind up, certainly Bates might wind up on the all-conference team. All right, let's get Brendan's, this is the gauge of how, not down on the NFL, indifferent he is. On Sunday, Mm. I have tickets for you either to the Super Bowl or to the final round of the Phoenix Open. With a waste management, where are you? What do you want? Well, so this is interesting. the The weather's got to play a factor in this, right? Oh because my god, I the weather about him being a weather. The guy. weather in Phoenix stinks. Like they just oh, got no. the, the the afternoon round got suspended because a huge round. All that rain they got in California okay. is moved. I will to Arizona. forget. All right, forget weather because I was trying to make a point here. Now, now weather's a factor. Well, without weather, weather's send perfect. Me to Phoenix. Send me to oh, Phoenix. I knew it. That's what I was going to say. That's how you're a golf guy, not an NFL guy. I'd have to go to the Super Bowl just because sure, it is. Sure. How about a bold prediction for this Sunday? Yeah, I I, I told. Carney earlier. I don't think he was too pleased. I like the Chiefs just really close. I feel like it's made a defensive battle, and I think both defenses have played extraordinarily well. So if it comes down to one quarterback making one big play, I would take Mahomes over Brock Purdy. I'm thinking something like 20 to 17, something low scoring. And uh, I like the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be tight. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Yeah, entertaining game. I'm with you. I can't pick against the Chiefs. I don't understand why they wouldn't be not not heavy favorites, but I think the Chiefs should be favored by three or four points because that's their pedigree. I'll go 23-20. Chiefs beat the 49ers in the San Francisco drought that nobody talks about. The last time they won the Super Bowl, and I had to look this up. Not, I knew it was the 94 season, yeah. but it was that Super Bowl. I had to look up the particulars because the national anthem singer is usually telling. It gives you a, a sense of what era in our world or our sure. country's history. Kathy Lee Gifford sang the national anthem. Holy cow. The I last, don't remember that. The last wow. time the 49ers so that, won the Super Bowl. Does that mean it was that, was that an ABC game then it, with, it must, with yeah, Al Deardorf, Frank? Yeah, and, Deardorf was yeah. on the call. Yep. So almost, almost 30 years ago, Kathy Lee Gifford did the and anthem. now singing the national anthem, my wife, yeah. Kathy Lee. She And she ended with, hi, honey. <laughs> that was the out cue. All right, what is coming up on the Big Sports Show? Ben and I are coming up in mere moments, winners and losers, Super Bowl edition, and then we'll talk some golf with Skip in the 8 o'clock hour tonight. All right, that's next. We'll, we'll see you. We'll talk to you all of the above next week on the Kill Coin Conversation.